welcome to this week's episode of EJ Sports Debates. As the title stays for now, uh, we are working on a new format. This kicks that off. Jordan? Hey, guys. Yeah, Eric and I kind of talked about, you know, what new season, new us, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, yeah, we just kind of were thinking about, you know, where we want to take the sports debate. Because, you know, we really don't debate as much on here. As the, the title indicate, you would think we would be like beating each other, but we still like talking sports. So, you know, um, but it'll be the us two, and you know, we're gonna try to stick to like what's going on in sports for the week and topics that kind of interest us, and then we'll occasionally do a deep dive and stuff like that. So, we're, we're not gonna lose any of that. You know, we're still gonna have fun. You know, the mock, the mock drafts were great. Seeing how terribly wrong we were. <laughs> was a good deal but uh yeah anyway uh, today is also sunday the 9th so happy mother's day i don't think we probably have any women that listen to this podcast but if we do happy mother's day we appreciate you guys and uh yeah eric uh, if you want to kind of kick us off to what we're going to kind of talk about or at least the first topic of the week yeah absolutely so it's the it's the gift that keeps on giving in the NFL offseason, the jelly of the month club, if you will. The Aaron Rodgers saga in Green Bay. Uh, it's, again, it's back and forth, and the latest I thought was hilarious. Aaron Rodgers calling out Gunkist as calling him Jerry Krause. Uh, I thought that was hilarious, but completely different scenario. Uh, Bulls were a dynasty, Packers are not. Uh, yeah, my, just, the, the Bulls don't have to win the conference championship game. Yes. And it's just, it leaves Green Bay with one of two options. There's no choice. It's one of one of these two, they have to do it. You either fire Gunkist or you trade Rodgers. That's, that's all they can do at this point. There's no salvaging that relationship, at least to me. I don't foresee it happening. I uh I like Devontae Adams' tweet this week where he said uh yeah, where is it? Gotta appreciate what you got while you got it. <laughs> yeah, um, very, very cryptic. Yeah, it, it was it was also very other news. I know you and I had talked about it for a minute, and uh I, I'm of the belief for sure that he is referring to the fact that you know Aaron Rodgers was the best thing to happen for his career. You know, Devontae Adams is one of the best receivers in the NFL. But, you know, without having balls that are perfectly thrown to him, maybe that's not always the case, you know, and sometimes people take that for granted. And it's looking more and more like he's not going to have that now. You know, I don't want to take anything away from Jordan Love. I think he, he – it's so funny to see Aaron Rodgers turn into the thing he swore he would never become and Brett Favre. And he's essentially Brett Favre 2.0. Um, you know, bitter – you know, legendary quarterback at the end of his career, you know, mad that there's a young rookie on the bench that was drafted to take his place. The parallels are ridiculous. Yeah, it really is. Um, the parallels are, it is crazy. And I know I brought it up last week. Um, it's just crazy. I mean, the, when you look at the past 32, like 30 years that of having two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, an organization can't win more than two Super Bowls. And it I mean, it just makes what Tom Brady has done in his career 
what New England did that much better. And again, sort of the sacrifices that had to be made uh, by the quarterbacks, by Brady to keep that going. But again, I know it's said that's the difference, but yeah, Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay, it's entertaining to me, but also a double-edged sword as a Lions fan being like, okay, well, if they trade him, he's out of the division. But if they trade him, they're going to get a ton of first-round picks. And I have to put it in the... I have to put it into the universe that those picks don't pan out because, as everyone knows, I want that team to suffer. I actually have a trade in... I kind of came up with. Um, I guess I get your thoughts on it. So, it's obviously... To me, Denver is, like, the most obvious landing spot. Um, you know, for where he's going to go. And I actually looked up the cap implications and stuff too. So this is a legitimate trade that could go down. Um, Denver has a disgruntled Hall of Fame player on their team that possibly wants out in the name of Von Miller. So Von Miller's cap hit this year is $22.1 million. If the Packers wait until June, after June 1st, his cap hit this year is 27.8. So if you trade Von Miller and maybe like one or two first round picks to Green Bay, mathematically it works out. Um, Denver actually has the cap for it. They may have to cut one or two other veteran players, which whatever it's the NFL. Um, but like logistically, that makes sense. The only thing that that would hold that trade up would be Von Miller's health, and if he was you know if he was fully healed and he could actually play this year. But so, yeah, I looked up on that and it, that's actually a legitimate trade that could go down. Um, but it's all going to hinge on Von Miller's ability to be healthy. Cause if you're Green Bay, you're, uh, you know, you definitely want a player and you also want capital, you know, and it's not like they need to trade for their air apparent quarterback cause they already have that on the roster. So, but yeah, I looked up the math on that and that's the trade I kind of came up with is Von Miller and maybe like a, you know, two number ones or a one, a two, and a four or something like that. That is a interesting. I mean, I think it is Denver if he go if he does indeed get traded. It is Denver. I don't know. If, I don't necessarily know if Denver is going to give him give up Miller, but it does sound like that's a pretty even cap hit on both sides if you do trade a player player deal like that. Well, they do have a cap for it, too. One thing Denver has done subtly is they still have $26 million in cap. Right. So which, hypothetically, which they could necessarily trade Von Miller. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have to trade Von Miller. But, you know, if that situation plays out where, you know, because it was, it was starting to get salty between them last year until he got hurt, you know, and then there's also the off the field stuff, too. So I don't really know if he's a tradable you know, athlete. But if you're in Denver, though, and you need to give up an asset that you don't want to completely mortgage all of your draft picks for, you know, they, they seem pretty content with their team, how it's constructed. Yeah. And, uh, it gives, uh, it gives Rogers more than one legit receiving option. Um, Cortland Sutton, Jerry, Judy, Noah Fant. I mean, right there, he has three weapons that are true number ones, um, which is, more than 
which is three times the number ones he's had in his <laughs> career at uh, Angry Bay. Um, yeah, Greg Jennings had a good year. I don't had a few good years, but necessarily I was never a true number one to me. Jordy Nelson, same deal. I never really saw those guys as number ones on virtually on the other team. Um, but Devontae Adams is that true one that he's had. Um, and yeah, he had Joe Michael Finley um, before his injury issues at tight end. But it's just, I think Green Bay, if you trade Rodgers, it is to Denver because of that. I mean, it gives him the weapons and Denver loves taking aging quarterbacks to, to Super Bowl. All their Super Bowl wins are quarterbacks in their last years. Elway Reed, Always obviously spent his whole career with Denver, but didn't win until his last two. Peyton Manning spent a few years before retiring as champion. I mean, it seems like this is what Denver does, like a mercenary-type quarterback situation. Well, John Elway can't draft quarterbacks, so. That too. You know, like, you can't develop them, trade for them, I guess. But, you know, the only thing with Denver that they, they have to always keep in mind is – they play in the same division as Kansas City. And uh, maybe it's because I'm a Pat Mahomes mark. I don't know. But, you know, their offensive line went from Pat Mahomes was going to run for his life for 500 yards at the Super Bowl. Dude, they have completely retooled that offensive line. That offensive line is like, could be one of the best in football now. Um, yes, I agree. You know, and, you know, it, it, with Kansas City, it's always going to come down to their defense. And if they can make the stops they need to make. Because Denver's defense is good. I mean, Justin Simmons is one of the best players in the NFL that nobody talks about. Um, you know, and they did get a guy like Kyle Fuller. So, you know, they, they, and they've and got... Sertan. Yeah, and drafted Sertan. So, I mean, their secondary is pretty damn good, you know. Kareem Jackson playing a strong safety. I know he's a veteran, but he's a very underrated veteran. Um you know, they've got guys like Brad Chubb coming off the edge, you know, Von Miller, if he's there or not. So they've got talent across that defense, but I still just, I just, Pavel Holmes to me is one of those players. I just, if you're in the same division as him, you're, it's going to be a fight, you know, and then Oakland, I know they are what they are, but, you know, um, and then you got the Chargers who, you know, emerging young quarterback, you know, so it that that AFC West may be the division I watch this year. I won't be able to watch it because I don't want to stay up late. But you know, yeah, it's going to be a fun division to watch. Um, seems like that's the trend in a lot of sports right now is where the West West Coast teams are going to be the ones to watch. Football, thankfully, has the set time, so it's not like a ten o'clock start every time. Looking at you, San Diego Padres. It's a yeah. I mean, you know, I had there, but yeah, it's just like I mean, at least it's four o'clock. Um, it's the late game for West Coast, so that's good. Um, and it would be marquee. Um, I mean, NFL, NFL has to be salivating if you want to watch Rogers Mahomes twice a year. But I don't know. Uh, I mean, that's it. I mean, that's our take on the this week's episode of the Rogers saga. Uh, but let's uh, let's go on to what we're in first month of the baseball season. Done. 
Um, some fun storylines, but one that really sticks out. No hitters. Um, Jordan? Yeah, so there have been four no hitters this year. Um, okay. And the, we're in the first month. Yeah, there's, I know. There should have been five. I I'll, know. I'll go into that one. I know. I we'll, we'll get into it now. I mean, Madison Bumgarner, you know, he. It was uh, a, it's a double header, and baseball is doing seven inning double headers. So an official game is seven innings. Madison Baumgartner throws a no hitter in a seven inning game, and MLB is not going to count it. Yeah, because they chose to shorten the game. That's bullshit. Yeah, I agree. Hundred percent bullshit. There's been five no hitters this year. Madison yep. Baumgartner has a no hitter. I'm sorry. No, I, hey, I, I, you know, since he was a rookie, I have a crush on Mad Bum. Not just because he's a North Carolina guy, um, but yeah, but Bumgarner is such a good pitcher, and yeah, it should have been five. But needless to say, you know, the other ones are, you know, Joe Musgrave of the Padres, Carlos Rondon of the White Sox. I've honestly never heard of this guy, John Means from the Orioles, and uh, Wade Miley of Cincinnati have all thrown no hitters. And, you know, the thing that sticks out to me is this isn't like top, this isn't Justin Verlander, David Price, you know, Garrett Cole throwing these. You know, this is like middle of the rotation guys. Um, just going out and dominating for a game. <clears throat> and I don't, I don't know, man. Uh, it's crazy. I love to see it, but I'm just, it, it has been kind of wondering why there have been so many. Yeah. And Rondon, I've had this for years. Rondon, by the way, was drafted top, I can't think of his, I think it was like third overall um, out of NC State, and the White Sox rushed him. And he had, injuries I feel because they rushed him so it was good to see him get a no hitter because that is the type of pitcher he could be um, and probably could have been earlier if he if the White Sox didn't rush him the way they did um, but that was good to see him come back and do battle the injuries that he's had in his career Musgraves I find it perfect games and no hitters sometimes have a story behind them Musgraves is the San Diego kid. He's bounced around. He's pitching for his hometown team and throws not only the first no-hitter of the baseball season, but the first no-hitter in Padres history. <laughs> like that That's an awesome story. Um, then you got Joe Means, who was middle-round pitcher, um, up-and-coming, pretty young but yeah most no hitters come from guys that you're like you don't really expect um and it's just it's just what it is um and you said i mean we've had i'm gonna say five five no hitters this year already and why is that yeah that's i think that's the looming question why i think it's because I mean, guys are more for power than just trying to get on base. And their hitters aren't as disciplined as they used to be or trying to be. And 
strikeouts are at an all-time high. And pitchers are figuring that out. So I think it, I don't want it to happen, but the question is too, is the allure of the no hitter gone or dying? I mean, to me, it'll always be really cool. You know, like when you go nine innings and you have, so you know, a hundred plus pitches and not a single person can put a bat in a ball that drops on the field. To me, I don't care who does it or how many times it happens. That, to me, is such a cool thing. Is it going to be the, like, must-see event that it used to be, you know, back when back when I actually watched ESPN and didn't ignore it now because I think it's garbage? But, you know, when a pitcher would be throwing a no-no and they would cut in and out, you know, you'd be watching, like, pardon the interruption or something, and they'd be like, oh, you know, uh, you know such and such is in the seventh inning of a no-hitter, and they'd cut to the game. I don't know if they still do that anymore, but um, yeah, I mean you know, MLB MLB Network will. Um, okay. We'll yeah. Good. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for the MLB Network. I don't, you know, to me the MLB Network and the NFL Network have kind of surpassed ESPN at least when it comes to covering their sports because you know there's no bias behind anything. It's just yeah. you know this is what makes baseball great, so we're going to show it. This is what yeah. makes football football great. Agree. Um, and I want to touch on John Means No Hitter um, because there's one thing about it that people are criticizing. They're saying it should have been a perfect game. And why is this, why are they saying that? Is because a batter reached base on a drop third strike. <laughs> so a person got on base because of a drop third strike resulting in a no-hitter instead of a perfect game. Yeah, I mean, I... Now, I joked saying it's... I joked saying that's the second 28-out perfect game. But it's... I don't know if you give him the perfect game on that. I mean, because technically a person did reach base. I don't. Uh, to me, perfect game is a perfect game. Nobody got on base, you know. You can look at every perfect game, and there are, you know, five to eight plays that, you know, you're kind of like, ooh, you know, whether it's an outfielder catching a ball or a shortstop diving for it, you know. I mean, it – it's kind of a fluky thing that's baseball for you, but to me, if somebody got on base during a perfect game, regardless of the reason, it's not a perfect game at that point. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too baseball purist for that. Yeah. Um, I would agree too. Um, I would not put it in the perfect game category. Um, obviously the one I, the 28 out perfect game is referenced to one of the most egregious calls in baseball history. Um, and MLB needs to recognize that as a perfect game because of because they had the ability to replay at the time, but never implemented replay. I mean, they had the technology to replay, but never implemented it until years later. So baseball still needs to do right in a few things. They're, well, they're still very behind, man. I mean, that's the thing about baseball that, like, when people say they're getting off board with it, like, I get it. You know, like, they... 
they just take forever to do things. Like as much as I hate the NFL for a lot of the stupid shit that they do, at least they act pretty fast. You know, if there's a controversial call, you know, they usually don't let it linger. You know, they have that owners meeting, you know, like a month after the season ends. And it's like, if we need to make a change, let's make a change. Cause they understand, you know, if you have enough bullshit plays happen, fans aren't going to stick around, you know, and Baseball seems, I don't know, they just have always come off to me as very old and antiquated on that front. Yes. Definitely, uh, definitely agree there. But, yeah, I mean, no hitters. I mean, we've seen five of them this year. Um, we're a little over a month into the, the season. I mean, I don't know what you're looking at, but you're looking at at least in the range of a pace of 16 to 20 no hitters in a year. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't think it'll get. I, no, well, I know. I, I, I you know, it, it, I read a couple of things that people were suggesting maybe baseballs killing the balls and stuff like that, and I don't. I don't think that's the case at all. I just think it's a kind of a flea. It's baseball, right. you know. Like what's the old saying is, you know, you can every single day, you know, there's something, you know, you can see something you've never seen before, and baseball is just one of those things that there's a lot of statistics that make sense. And there's a lot that you just kind of throw your hands up. And you're like, well, that, that's what can happen. Yep. No, definitely agree. But, and yeah, I mean, obviously we're in May. Big sports news is primarily baseball. So we're going to continue that on the diamond. I want you to take this one, Jordan. You've, you've been waiting a couple years for this moment. The Astros return to New York with fans. Oh, uh, let me just say off the top, Eric, and I'll say it quite simply, fuck the Astros. (laughs) I don't have any respect for that team. I don't have any respect for guys like Jose Altuve. I don't discredit what they do on the field because he is a good player. You know, Carlos Correa is a good player. Um, But, yeah, they, they got very lucky that this happened now and not last year when everything was still very fresh and very raw. Um, Cause it, they would be getting booed ceremoniously everywhere, you know, and not just from New York and, you know, I, it's going to, I can't wait till they play the Dodgers. Um, Cause they're, <laughs> they're just as bitter as anybody else too. But um, you know, it, it's just so ridiculous that, it seemed like baseball swept it under the rug. It was like, oh, yeah, Carlos Beltran, you know, yep, yep, yep. Jeff Lunho, yep, yep, moving right along. And then, you know, you got the Astros complaining that fans are making too much noise. There was a guy that had an Oscar the Grouch costume, and he was banging on a trash can, which to me, I don't see how that's any different than what you see in a lot of baseball parks. You know, the Yankees had a guy named Spoonie, at the ballpark for years that literally would bang a spoon onto a pot and you can hear him on every broadcast, but there's a guy that has an Oscar, the grouch outfit. And it's just, to me, the Astros are just, they're just a soft organization. And uh, yeah, man, fuck the Astros. Um, You know, I used to really love their organization. I loved a lot of the players back when it was the killer bees, you know, uh, Biggio, Berkman, Bagwell, um, I love those players and I love the organization then, but I have no respect like at all. And um, 
it, it was great. They they got lucky though because it, it was not as hostile as it could have been. Um, it was still pretty bad. They got booed pretty vigorously in New York in all three games, but they they yet again find a way to get out of it somehow. So just yeah, that's that's my thoughts on the Astros. Screw those guys. No, I agree. Um, they got off. Uh, they got off very lucky um, that it wasn't fifty thousand Bronx cheers coming from Yankee Stadium. Instead, it was ten thousand. They got very lucky in that aspect. But don't complain to MLB that wham I we're getting the cheers are they're booing too harshly blah blah blah. You made your bed sleep in it. You're lucky that Manfred said granted immunity to the players. And he said, and I don't know why he defended if you throw out an Astros player, blah, blah, blah. Astros deserve every, this year only, this year only, deserve every jeer, every boo, every fan banging on a seat inflatable trash can, whatever they come up with every hit by pitch in the, in the, in the ass or the back. I don't care. Astros deserve that uh, because of what they did. And it's just, it's stupid that the Astros are complaining about that. They should have known what to expect or unless they thought that we basically got a free year off from, from this playing in front of no fans we're not they they forgot about it sports fans don't forget baltimore fans don't forget jeffrey mayer i don't forget brandon inge being hit by a pitch that graces uniform that would have walked in a go ahead run in a playing game i don't for like sports fans don't forget <laughs> um yeah and baseball wants you to forget about it Baseball wants you to forget that the Astros cheated. They do. That's why Manfred's defending them. That's why, you know, they've been defiant since the beginning, which almost, it, it, like, they, I give them credit for at least embracing the villain thing because they had no point have they shied away from not being the villain. But, like, I just, you know, everything from Carlos Correa after it came out talking shit, you know. And, and again, I like those guys, like as players. I just, you know, it's like you said, man, like if you make a mistake in life, you know what? You pay for it. You know, you run a red light. Guess what? You pay your ticket. You admit you're wrong. You move on. You know, you do something that warrants you to go to jail. You go to jail. You pay your debt to society. And you get out and you're done, you know, and the Astros just like, bro, you like, you've got to take this L this year. You know, like, there's no way around it. Like, nobody felt like they got remotely punished by baseball. And sports fans, you know, if we don't feel like, you know, there's been enough justification or enough, you know, justice done, you know, we're going to handle it. As long as nobody – I don't want to see sports fans doing crazy shit, like throwing batteries and shit. I don't want to say the players get hurt. But, yeah, no. Every time you come up to the plate, I want to – I want you to be shouted at and have you called a piece of crap and a cheater um, and booed as loud as you can go. And you know what? Like you said, they get it for this year. That's their punishment. Um, you know, once the season's over with, not to say that we forget, but you know what? Whatever. Let's move on. You know, let's just 
let's do our talking on the field and let's just beat them. And that, that's really what I want. I just, I just don't want them to be successful. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, definitely agree with that. Um, yeah, it's just, it's interesting. I mean, I, they got off, the players got off lucky. The organization per se didn't, but the players got off scot-free. Um, and by the way, Boston rehiring Alex Cora after the year suspension and they're in first place in the East. Is this not a red flag to baseball that Boston might be doing something again? I, I would hope they weren't that stupid, but you know, take, you know what? I look at it this way, man, Yankees and Red Sox right now are on top of that division and the AL East is better like, no offense, and I know this sounds very elitist, so let me caution this. If you're a fan of the Orioles, why? Or the Rays, the Blue Jays. You know, it's not that I don't want you guys to win, because really Tampa Bay has kicked the crap in that division for the last part of the decade. Um, but, you know, I, to me, it's just baseball is at its best, in my opinion, as a Yankee fan, when it's the Yankees and Red Sox being number one or two, and we're just beating the crap out of each other. Um, so, yeah, I, I I hope they're not that stupid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, looking at the standings, Boston, Toronto, three back, Yankees, three and a half back, Tampa, three and a half back. I mean, that division is going to be fun to watch, um, but I do agree. Baseball is baseball's actually better when it, as much as I hate, as much as I hate the thing, but baseball is better when there's an East Coast rivalry like Boston and New York that's battling for a division title. It is better. Well, Eric, let's move on to the next topic this week, man. I, guys, we're going to do a lot of baseball news this week. Um, you know, I mean, it's like the middle of May, and, you know, there's not a lot going on in sports other than baseball. You know, uh, the NBA is coming up with the playoffs, but we're not going to really get into that yet. No, we'll, we'll definitely touch on it. I mean, Russell, shout out to Brody. Russell Westbrook tied the big O Oscar Robertson, 181 triple doubles in his career. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Russell's ridiculous, man. So that's, that kid is. That's good. And actually, some breaking sports news Kentucky Derby winner Medina Spirit tested positive for banned substance. That just came out. See, even, even the Kentucky Derby is using. So. <laughs> Uh, so hey, speaking the, of players that so that's speaking of people that didn't juice though, Eric, let's 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 talk about the. I think probably to me this is the number one story, especially towards the later part of the week, and the story behind it is nuts. L let's talk about our friend Albert Pujols uh, becoming a DFA. That it shocked me um, when I saw that alert come through. Um, yeah, Angels re designated. Pujols for assignment. He's hitting 198. And I thought, I mean, it's the last year of his contract. He's probably going to retire after this year anyway. Why not let him finish the year? Like, I, I don't understand. I didn't understand it. But as you said, there's more to it. So. Yeah, dude. Uh, so I, I kind of wrote down a brief story because, you know, when it first came out, we were like, kind of like you said, 
we didn't think it was as bad of a story, but um, the way that I've read the story, and I've read it in a couple of different reports, so this isn't like one thing, um, is basically he woke up Wednesday morning, the idea he was going to play first base that night. And I guess the Angels had been discussing for a while, and they had come to the final decision that they didn't want to play him anymore. You know, I mean, in all honesty, a guy hitting 198 a month of the season, even if he is a legend, maybe you don't want to play him. I I, I get that from an on the field step. Tigers are look are dealing with that with Miggy. Um, yeah, like it's just a veteran, you know, Hall of Fame player that is clearly not producing at the level he wants to. And the team still has hopes and aspirations to win. You know, they they need to be thinking about Mike Trout on that team. And anything that's hurting Mike Trout from becoming the most successful player he can be. Um, but so that, that aside, I, so the, there's the purely on the field aspect of it. I understand this. But basically, yeah, they went to Albert and said, we don't want to play you anymore. You need to retire. And Albert was like, GFY. What do you mean retire? I'll decide when I retire. You don't dictate to me. So to make a long story short, he had a shouting match with Angels Brass and Joe Madden where he criticized Joe Madden um, and basically told him, I'm not riding the bench and I'm not going to retire. So then nobody had known this, but Wednesday night before the game or at some point, whether it was before or after, Pulse was kind of like saying goodbye hugs. And again, no player knew what was going on, you know, even Mike Trout was like, man, this is kind of weird. Why is this guy coming to here and giving us hugs and stuff? Like, <laughs> what's going on? And then the next morning, bam, he was released. Um, and it completely, I mean, it, it rocked the team. You know, and again, everybody knows Everybody knows the statistics. Everybody needs to be shown that. But it was clear, you know, I mean, he's, he's fucking Albert Bulls. <laughs> you know, he's, he's Albert Bulls. And to see him be released like that and – um, what really got me was, I don't know, Eric, if you saw the uh, post-game conference of Nolan Arenado. Um, I did. Where it was, I think it was after either Thursday or Friday's game. And, you know, he was giving his post-game. And he's like, hey, can I say one more thing? And the current player for the Cardinals told, looked at the camera, and was like, Albert Pujols, you were my favorite player ever. And thank you for inspiring me and stuff like that. And so maybe this will turn out to be a good thing instead of it being look at Albert Pujols struggling in his final year. You know, he's 33 home runs shy of 700. Uh, I'll speak. Uh, he's not getting there. <laughs> yeah. And that brings it. Yeah. They, you don't bench. I mean, you, you can bench a player. I mean, it's really up to that, but you don't, you don't really give a player that option. I don't think a, a player of Pujols is caliber. Granted, the decline has been steep, and there was the allegation that we touched on that he's older than he said he is, um, which could explain the vast decline. But I think the one move has to happen. He has to sign with St. Louis. He has to retire Cardinal. I, I agree. He has to. And interestingly enough, this is another thing I read. So as recently as last year, he was quoted as saying that, you know, presumably when he goes into the Hall of Fame, um, he wasn't going to wear a cap. 
he came out and said that out of respect for what Art Moreno and the Angels organization has done for him, you know, and all that he, they've done, that, you know, he didn't want to wear a cap because he didn't want to disrespect them or the Cardinals organization because, you know, he spent his entire career with both. Eric, I think that's going to change now. <laughs> I think he's going in as a Cardinal. Um, it, it, it did not end well. No, and I mean, even Mike, even Mike Trout, um, saying stuff like, like he, Mike Trout broke down. He said when he heard Pujols got released. I mean, Mike, Albert Pujols was an angel for Mike Trout's entire career so far. To have a player like Albert Pujols, like pretty much mentor. A guy like Mike Trout, I mean, yeah, it's got to be tough on him, but it's it's Mike Trout's team, and you know, do what's best for the organization. But again, this is a team that has Otani, that has Mike Trout, and for some reason is sitting five and a half games back at the bottom of the AL West, despite their pitching, despite those players. It's a team that, for some reason, can't get it right. And it's a waste of... They've wasted years of Albert Pujols. They've wasted years of Mike Trout. And they're wasting years on Otani. I mean, that's... I just don't... And then they do this. I mean, I've said it a lot where, again, being a Lions fan, seeing dysfunctional stuff, horrible management. Yes, there's been some, the Calvin Johnson thing, um, but that was after his career, not <laughs> during. Uh, and that's being mended. A team, I mean, I just don't get why the Angels did this. It, it, I understand the decision from, like I said, on the field. There's just the right way to go about it in the wrong way. You know, I mean, this is not the first and will not be the last player to be old and broken at the end of his career. And, you know, maybe he should have realized it in spring training that it was time to hang it up, but he didn't. And it's his damn right to want to decide when he hangs it up. And, you know, to me, they should have really found a way with Albert to make this work, you know, whether, I, I don't know, but there just, there sounds like there wasn't any communication, you know, it was like, Albert was under the impression everything was good. And the angels were either not telling him or blowing smoke up his ass. And, you know, there's just, there's a right way to go back. He's a legend player. If there's any player that you make every accommodation on a plan of war. It's a guy like that, you know? And, you know, I think back to Derek Jeter towards the end of his career. You know, he was not hitting very well at all, you know? And so he got to do the freaking farewell tour. And Albert, Albert Pujols should have gotten a farewell tour. They should have – that's what they should have done. They should have made this a say goodbye to Albert type season – and really put a lot of hype behind it. And really, because that would have, you know, given the team a lift. It would have given the fans a lift. Even if they weren't winning, 
right. you know, every day they could have something to celebrate, you know, and they just, they completely dropped the ball, man. I, I, I hope he, I hope he goes back to St. Louis, you know, whether it's as a player or something, it doesn't matter. Go to St. Louis, Albert, one day, go back one to day a deal, whatever. Yeah. Go, go back to a fan base because, I mean, say what you want to about the Cardinals. Those fans know baseball, and they love baseball. Yes. And that's as baseball of a team as you can get with a fan base. I agree. They, Albert Pujols deserves to go back to an organization and a fan base that actually appreciates him because it's clear the Angels don't. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I agree. Well, let's go to from uh, one dysfunctional Angel to another. Wow, what a transition. Our favorite umpire, Angel Hernandez. Back-to-back nights this week. <sighs> what can we say? Um, why Eric, did you know he had a game? Sorry, because I'm still umpiring. He had a game on April 7th where he missed 24 calls in one game. 24. 24 in one game. Yeah, it's ridiculous. This guy has no business humping. And Kansas City, there was a weird weird play. Ball goes into right center. And a lot of stadiums have renovated or newer stadiums have the scoreboard on the walls now. Mainly in right field. Well... Apparently, at the time, the scoreboard was a color that camouflaged a ball that dropped in. And off one hop, the outfielder played it. And there was confusion, and Angel Hernandez called him out. Called the batter out. Well, Andrew Benatendi was on second. There was confusion. He got tagged out. Then he went to third, which a great, actually great application of the rule there. Um, but the batter was still out. But Benintendi went to third because you get one base. But it was a cluster. And it just, and then the next day, and this is frustration, I think, built up. In the sixth inning, Angel Hernandez is behind home plate. Throws out the pitching coach. I just blanked on the manager of Kansas City. And tossed Brady Singer, the pitcher, as he was exiting the game. In the sixth inning. He called a balk on him. The, the, the bulk it, there was a bulk he did move forward I saw I did watch it it little ticky tack but a bulk is hard to call I mean there was slight movement towards play and then he turned a second so I get that call but there was just calls earlier that he missed in that game and just frustration built up and it just became the Angel Hernandez show. And That's the problem right there, Eric. Every game that Angel Hernandez is an umpire in becomes the Angel Hernandez show. 
he finds a way to make a call or some decision or, you know, I've read a lot of reports that he sometimes tries to incite, like, to, like, fight the teams and stuff. Like, I don't know what his problem is. Man, he is awful. He makes Tim Donaghy looks like a freaking Hall of Fame umpire. Like, um, he had a he lost his he lost his uh, discriminatory suit against MLB. Um, he he was he sued the MLB for discriminatory reasons because he was never named crew chief before, never umped a World Series in X number of years. Well. It's because you're an awful umpire. <laughs> That's why. Could you imagine that guy in the World Series? That you, you know, Andrew has. He would make a call. He would try to become a star of the World Series. He would start a controversy. He'd make a blown call. He would do something. He is so unpredictable. There's no way in shit. I wouldn't let him near the pennant, let alone the damn World Series. Yes, and and this was one of the most, and yeah, we touched on it earlier. The replay in that game that he threw out. This was one of the reasons that all hell broke loose in Kansas City, and why Brady Singer got tossed is he ruled a batter was hit by a pitch, and. Kansas City saw the replay, called Angel over and said, we want you to take a look at this. Okay. The ball clearly does not hit him on replay. And they award him first base. It's, Here's the th- it's, I get, I get that call. I mean, the way, the way you hold a bat, your hands are right there on the bear, on the bottom. Like it's, that's a close call. Uh, but when you have replay, and this counts for all sports, the goal of replay is to get it right. But when there's clear evidence, which is the rule, clear, indisputable evidence to overturn a call, and you don't, that that's wrong. So I'm one of the people that I don't want every. I don't. I don't want. Robo umpires in baseball. I don't. I don't want to see a robo strike zone. I don't want to see replay officials. I, I love the idea of there being umpires. You know, yes, they seem to get more attention for doing bad things than they do good things. But I love that human aspect of it. To me, it's what makes baseball baseball. And I know that's such an old man's argument. But I'll tell you right now, Angel Hernandez is doing everything he can to make sure that umpires are gone from the game. <laughs> because for every botch call he has, for every stupid-ass play he makes or doesn't make, the people that want that, they're going to continue to point to Angel Hernandez and say, see, you have this individual that is so unpredictably bad. He's predictable at being unpredictable, and he's predictable at being awful. You know, And it's one of those things, I read over thing that was like, well, one of the arguments is that at least he's bad for both teams. And after that game, Terry Francona was like, he asked the question. He said, when is enough going to be enough for this guy? And that's kind of where I'm going to, I'm going to leave my thoughts on that is 
when is enough going to be enough for Angel Hernandez? When are the bad plays and the fucking braggadocious behavior going to be enough for baseball to be like, we got to tell this guy to pass? I'll tell you one reason. Union. Umpire Union. They have to defend him no matter what. Man, if I was him, if I was baseball, I would have him calling games at your fucking local low A fucking he would not be a major league umpire. I don't know if the MLILB umpires are affiliated with that or what, but there's no way he would be major league baseball. He he needs to get sent down. <laughs> I agree. Well, uh, that's gonna that's gonna wrap it up. Um, hope you enjoyed this new format uh, uh, this week. Uh, this week in sports review. Um, as always, I'm Eric Weirdo with Jordan Angie, and uh, I believe we're taking next week off. Um, got some things going on, um, so join us in a couple weeks. Bye, guys.